Our scripture this morning will be from John 18, uh, verses 36 through 38. This is page uh, 905 in the Red Pew Bible. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the, the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. The Bible says that when Jesus spoke, he spoke as nobody else. In fact, it says in John 7 verse 46, no one ever spoke like this man. It would be good for us to do a serious Bible study of the things that Jesus said, because the things that he said ought to change every one of our lives. If you pay attention to the teachings of Jesus, a lot of people would say, if you were, if you were to ask, what's the most important, what's the most frequent thing that Jesus brought up? A lot of people would say, well, I think Jesus probably talked about doing good to your neighbor. Or I think Jesus probably talked a lot about salvation. Or I think Jesus probably talked about forgiveness. And it's true that Jesus did speak about all those things. But if you're paying attention, when you read those red letters in your New Testament, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those red letters, the words that he spoke while he was here in his earthly ministry, one of the most frequent, if not the most frequent subjects that Jesus spoke about is the kingdom. Jesus is a king, and he came to talk about the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven. And if you miss this, you're missing a great deal of what Jesus came to do and what he wants for your life, because if you're listening to me this morning, God wants you to be a part of his kingdom, where Jesus is the king. And there's a law, we call it the New Testament. God wants you to be a part of that. And Jesus wants you to be a part of that. And if you're not part of the kingdom, then you're bound for destruction, according to the New Testament. You're bound for eternal darkness. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom. At the early part of his ministry, as he was just beginning to preach, in Matthew 4, 17, the first sermon that we hear Jesus preaching is this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It had not yet arrived, but it was at hand. It was close, Jesus says. So as he speaks about what he's come to do, I've come to bring the kingdom to people. 
Again, in Luke 8, verse 1, as Jesus goes about in cities and villages teaching the word of God, he brings glad tidings of the kingdom of God. A kingdom where God is king, where we are the citizens, where Jesus is on the throne and he's the one that rules. Jesus spoke about those things while he was here on earth. In Luke 9 verse 11, when the crowds learned it, they followed Jesus and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. What did Jesus say about the kingdom? He said a lot about the kingdom. A lot of things in his teaching and his preaching had to do with being part of the reign and the rule of God here in this world and then in the next. The kingdom of God, being a citizen of God's kingdom. In Acts chapter one, verse three, now this on a timeline, this is not before the crucifixion. This is after Jesus has been crucified, after he's been raised from the dead. What did Jesus do? There were about 40 days before he ascended to heaven in the early part of Acts and the latter part of the book of Luke. What did Jesus talk about in those days between his resurrection and his ascension? What was the subject of his teaching? He presented himself alive and not only that, he spoke about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Friends, Jesus came to talk about the kingdom. He said a lot about the kingdom and we do well in understanding Jesus to pay attention to his words. He came to tell you there's a kingdom that God is establishing and I want you to be a part of that kingdom. The passage that Bill read just a few moments ago in John 18, verses 36 and 37, one of the things they accused Jesus of doing when they wanted him to be crucified was insurrection. They accused him of being somebody that preached another king, somebody that was trying to subvert the Roman authorities. And so Pontius Pilate, who really didn't know much about Jesus, if anything, Pontius Pilate was a Roman governor and he's trying to ascertain who is this man and what is he claiming? And so he asks Jesus point blank. He says, are you a king then? Tell me about what these things people are accusing you of. Tell me about this thing. And in John 18, 36 and 37, Jesus says, I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. It's a unique kingdom. It's not of this world. You know, not long ago, Queen Elizabeth died in England. And as soon as she died, there's a phrase that's been used for centuries in that country. The queen is dead, long live the king. Or the king is dead, long live the king. Because somebody else, immediately upon the death of the monarch, immediately somebody else becomes the new king or the new queen. Jesus says, my kingdom's not like that. My kingdom is not one that I get from a, rap, a succession of people. My kingdom's not of this world. It's not a geographical territory where you can know whether you're part of it or not uh, in terms of geography. It's not like that. It's not of this world. And then Pilate's wondering, you know, who, who, who's part of your kingdom then? Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice, Jesus says. It is a kingdom that Jesus rules over and everyone who is of the truth hears his voice and obeys him. Citizens of the kingdom are those who are of the truth. What did Jesus say about the kingdom? What does he say about it? Incidentally, as you study your New Testament, I wanna make this very clear. 
when you read the New Testament, the kingdom is brought into existence. It's established in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, plus its implications for our lives is preached. And people were baptized that day and they were ushered into, they entered into the kingdom of the Son of God's love. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. When you decide to become a member of the New Testament church, simultaneously you are becoming a citizen in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God. It's a unique kingdom. It's a kingdom unlike any other that's ever existed or ever will exist. And let me tell you what kind of kingdom Jesus wants you to be a part of. What does Jesus want you to do in your life? He wants you to be a part of a kingdom, number one this morning, where he is the king. He wants you to be a part of a kingdom where Christ is the king. Who's in charge here? Who's ruling my life? Who is the one that is making the decisions and giving the mandates and telling me what I need to do and how I need to live? Jesus is the king. That was what he was born for. Matthew 2 verse 2, those wise men came to Herod and they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east and we've come to worship him. We know that there's going to be a king born one day, and we saw his star, and therefore we know the king has been born, they said. He was born to be a king. But while Jesus was here on earth, people saw his potential and his abilities. Jesus could feed the masses miraculously. He could take a few loaves and a few fish, and he could make a meal for everybody. No logistics, no coordination, no everybody bring a covered dish. Jesus could just produce food. And they said, this guy, he can provide. We want him to be our king. And they tried, it says in John 6, 15, to take him by force and to make him a king. Jesus said, I'm not going to be that kind of king. I'm not going to accept you forcing me to be the kind of king you want me to be. I'm the one who's in charge. I'm the one who's in authority. And I'm not going to let you dictate what my kingdom or my mission looks like. Jesus accepted praise as king. In Luke 19, verse 38, as Jesus was entering in to Jerusalem, the Bible says that people were crying out, Hosanna. They were crying out, he's the king. And the Pharisees said, Jesus, tell your disciples to stop this. Tell them to stop saying you're the king. And Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. If they stopped stopped saying this, even the stones would cry out. Jesus accepted people praising him and saying, you are the king. You're the one. When we think about who Jesus is and what he says about his kingdom, he said his kingdom is going to be established after his death. Now, isn't that unique? His kingdom is going to be established after the death of the king. He goes to the cross, he suffers, he dies, and then he rises again on the third day. But do you know what the thief on the cross said to Jesus in Luke 23, verse 42? This dying man looks over at Jesus about to die on his cross and he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus was going to have a kingdom and that thief on the cross believed that Jesus was going to have a kingdom and he said, I want you to remember me when it happens. After you die, you're going to become a king. Jesus spoke about his kingdom. Jesus didn't say, oh, no, no, you've got it all wrong, thief on the cross. Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you this day, you will be with me in paradise. He commended what that man believed and thought about Jesus being a king. This reign that Jesus is involved in, it is a never-ending reign. 
kings and queens, they live and they die. Sometimes they live a really long time. Sometimes they live a relatively brief time. Jesus is a king over a kingdom that will never be destroyed and it will never be given or left to anybody else. Because Jesus already died and he's raised to live forever, he is eternally a king. He's eternally the one to whom we give our allegiance and obedience. It's a never ending reign. Daniel 2, 44 and 45, God will establish a kingdom which will never be destroyed and it will not be left to other people, the Bible says. When Jesus talked about you becoming a part of God's kingdom, he's saying to you, I need to be the king. I need to be the one that is the authority and the rule in your life. Everybody's accountable to him. After his resurrection, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You know, there's a king over there in England right now. And the king reigns on his throne and politically he doesn't have much power, if any at all. But in past history, the king of England had a lot of power, but he only had power over England and her territories. He didn't have power over countries and places where his authority did not reach. Jesus says, it doesn't matter what country you live in, it doesn't matter where you went to school, and it doesn't matter what kind of background or ancestry you have, all authority has been given to me. I am, by virtue of who God has sent me to be, I am the king. And brothers and sisters and friends, listen to me. One of the hardest things for us to do as human beings is to let Jesus be the one who's the authority in our lives. Because we got to humble ourselves and we got to go back to what this book says and we got to listen to what the king has told us to do. Because he's the authority, he's the one in charge, he's the one in control. It's difficult to do that in every aspect of our lives, but we're accountable to him. And the Bible tells us that one day every knee is going to bow to him and every tongue is going to confess that he is the Lord. Philippians 2 verses 10 and 11. The Bible speaks about Christ being king and tells us, and Jesus says this himself, I'm going to be the judge at the last day. I have authority. My words matter. They're never going to pass away. And you are going to be judged by me. One day you and I are going to stand before the king. We're going to stand before Jesus Christ and we're going to give an answer for how we've lived, the decisions we've made, the priorities that we've held. We're going to answer for those things. He wants you to be a part of his kingdom where he's the king. He's in authority. He's in control. Next, when we talk about what Jesus says about the kingdom, he claimed to be the king. And not only that, he claimed that his word is the law. Because every kingdom needs a law. Every dominion needs some kind of code of rules and regulations of, of ideals and principles and commands that the king desires to happen within his kingdom. And brothers and sisters and friends, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the things that God has said are essential for us to please him, the king. In Matthew 13, verse 19, Jesus called the Bible, he called the word of God, the word of the kingdom. When we listen to what the scriptures teach, when we listen to what God says through his word to us, we are listening to the words, the laws, the commands that are all about being a citizen of God's kingdom. And that's what Jesus wants from us. His words, according to scripture, are authoritative. In Luke 5, verse 5, 
Jesus told the disciples to go and let down their nets for a catch. And Peter said, Lord, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we will do this. And because Jesus said it, they went out and they let down their nets and they had such a catch, they couldn't even pull all the fish into the boat. Mary says in John 2 verse 5, whatever Jesus says to you, do it. That is profound advice for every single one of us. Whatever Jesus tells us to do, his word is law, do what he says. His words are supposed to be believed and obeyed. When we read the words of Jesus in scripture, when we read what he would have us to do, (coughs) we are supposed to believe those words. We're supposed to put them into practice. In John 4, verse 50, a man came and his son was sick and Jesus says, go in peace, your son lives. And in John 4, verse 50, the man believed Jesus and went his way and he found his son healed. He found him whole. Jesus wants you to believe that what he says is true. He wants you to believe that what he says about the world and how it was created. He wants you to believe that that's true. He wants you to believe that what the Bible says about what it means to be married. He wants you to believe that that's true. He wants you to believe that what the scriptures say about the New Testament church and the nature of it. That believe those things are true. Believe those things. Obey those things. Do what he says. His word is law. It's part of being a citizen in the kingdom. We don't raise our hands and say, but Lord, I I have an objection here. I I think I I could think of a better way to do things. It's not our privilege. It's not our right. We're not the king. His word is the law. His word is going to judge us at the last day, John 12, 48. The words that I have spoken. When you stand before God on that last day, there will be a standard used. The standard is not your opinions or your thoughts or what some religious leader taught you. Your standard is not what everybody else was doing, not what did the majority of people do. The standard is what does the law say? The perfect law of liberty, James 1 verse 25. What does the word of God teach? His word is the law. And his word, the Bible says, will never pass away. Matthew 24 verse 35. The words that Jesus has spoken, the truth that he's given us, those truths are eternal. They're here forever, for always. Not to be altered, amended, or changed. They're for us to obey. So, when Jesus talked about the kingdom, he claimed to be king. When Jesus talked about the kingdom, he claimed that his words are authoritative. His word is the law. It's a kingdom that's not of this world. The question might be, well... Who are going to be the citizens of the kingdom? Who are going to be the, the, the people that, that are part of the kingdom? And the answer, as you read scripture, the answer is that the disciples are the citizens. People who follow Jesus are the citizens of the kingdom that Jesus came to establish. In other words, whenever somebody chooses to follow Jesus and they do so in the ways that he has prescribed in his word, we listen to what he teaches, then we become part of the kingdom. You know what Jesus said about being part of the kingdom of God? He said, number one, you can't do it without being poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, verse 3. In Matthew 18, 1 through 4, he said, unless you repent and become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. We're never going to be part of the kingdom unless we become humble. 
unless we humble ourselves before God and we say, I don't know the right way to go. I don't know all the answers. I need God. I need his authority. I need his word. I need Jesus to be the king of my life. The only people who can get into the kingdom are people who are poor in spirit. Not only that, this is a unique kingdom in that everybody that's part of this kingdom loves and obeys the king. I want you to think about this. Over there in England, I keep using England because that's our most familiar example of what a kingdom might be or might look like. I know it's not a kingdom technically. Over there in England, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about the king, don't they? A lot of the opinions they have about the current king are not flattering. But that's not what it's like in Jesus' kingdom. In Jesus' kingdom, everybody loves the king. Everybody exalts the king. Everybody honors the king. That's the way Jesus' kingdom is established. The universally, all the citizens of his kingdom, by definition, are those who love and adore and exalt and praise and worship the king. If you love me, keep my commandments, John 14, verse 15. There is no opinion poll. What do you think of Jesus? What do you think of the job he's doing? What do you think of the decisions he's making? We, we don't have any of those because we just say, we know who Jesus is. Everything he does is great. Everything he does is fantastic, wonderful, amazing. Beyond our comprehension, we love the king. We are so glad that we can be part of this king's kingdom. That's what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Everything he does is wonderful. Everything he does is right. And even when we don't understand why some things are the way they are, and even when we don't understand why some of the commands of Scripture say what they say, we believe that his way is best. It's a totally different attitude about the king than any other nation in history has ever had. Because there are good kings and bad kings throughout history, and even the good kings have their flaws. Not Jesus. Nothing about him is amiss. He's the kind of king that you can give your life and even your very death to, and it'll be for the best. Everybody who's part of Christ's kingdom put kingdom concerns first. Jesus says in Matthew 6, seek first, make it your priority. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Brother Taylor led that song just a little while ago. Did you know you were singing the words of scripture? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other stuff that you're going to worry about, like what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, those things will be taken care of. You make the kingdom your first priority. This is a matter of discipleship, of who I am as a Christian. In the kingdom of Jesus, everybody chooses to be a citizen. If you happen to be born in England in 1642, pulling a date out of the air, you don't get to decide what kingdom you want to be part of. If you're born in England in 1642, you are part of the kingdom of England. You don't get to choose. And if you decide to choose, you end up fighting a revolutionary war, don't you? As our nation finds out, we don't want to be part of that kingdom anymore. And so there's a war that's fought to get away from the kingdom. That's not the way it is in Jesus' kingdom. In the kingdom of Jesus Christ, we come willingly, we come freely, we see the value of the kingdom. You remember the parable of the hidden treasure? There was a man that found treasure hidden in a field. It's the kingdom of God. And for joy over, he goes and sells all that he has and go, so that he can buy the field and possess the kingdom. There's value in the kingdom that Jesus is over. Matthew 13, verse 44. 
But he chooses that kingdom over everything else. And you and I, if we want to be a part of Jesus' kingdom, we've got to choose the kingdom. We've got to choose the church over everything else. Remember what I said a few minutes ago, the kingdom and the church, synonymous. When you're added to the church, you're added to the kingdom of God. The Bible teaches that. If that's true, then what I'm saying when I become a Christian is, what, I say, what I'm saying when I'm baptized is, this is going to be first in my life. The kingdom of God, the reign of Jesus in my life, the reign of Jesus in others' lives, that's what's going to come first. And everything else takes a back seat to that because that's what it means to be a citizen of God's kingdom. We are citizens of heaven, Philippians 3 verse 20. Brothers and sisters and friends, as patriotic or maybe not as any of us are, as much as we may love this country, that takes a back seat even to being part of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It comes first. In the kingdom of Jesus Christ, Jesus taught us even to pray about the kingdom. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We believe that the kingdom has come. The New Testament teaches that it has arrived. It had not yet arrived when Jesus said those words, but I want you to hear me. When we pray, our prayers ought to concern the growth and the expansion of the kingdom. We ought to be praying that the kingdom will grow and increase. And if we're not praying that way, why not? Are you not concerned about the kingdom of God? Are you not concerned about Jesus being the king and people surrendering their lives to him because they want to be part of his kingdom? We ought to be praying about this, Matthew 6, verse 9. What did Jesus say about his kingdom? He said, I want you to be a part of my kingdom. I want you to surrender to me and I want you to be a citizen of my kingdom. And here's the maybe most unique. I don't, I don't know how you decide what of these four principles are most unique, but perhaps to me the most unique characteristic of this kingdom that Jesus rules over. It has nothing to do with geography. It has nothing to do with physical location. It is a kingdom where Jesus reigns in my mind and in my heart. And he wants to reign in your mind and in your heart. And wherever somebody goes who is a citizen of the kingdom, we take a little bit of the kingdom with us. Do you hear me? Wherever you go as a Christian, you are carrying the kingdom of God around with you. So the Pharisees, characteristically, they're looking at Jesus and he's making these claims about being a king. And the Pharisees say, okay, fine. Tell us, where's the kingdom going to be? Give us the boundaries and the definitions. They wanted to know, and when is it going to arrive, this kingdom that you're, going to, that you're going to rule over Jesus? They didn't believe that Jesus was a king. But tell us about, you know, give us some information about when it's going to arrive. And Jesus says this in Luke 17, 20 and 21. Look at the screen. He says, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. Now stop and listen to what Jesus just said. When you decide to come to this country from Mexico, just for example, there is a river in this state that divides those two countries. And you can see whether somebody is physically in Mexico or physically in the United States of America. You can see it with your eyes. See here, I'm in Mexico. See there, I'm in the United States. And Jesus says, that's not what the kingdom's like. 
The kingdom's not like that where you can see because you crossed over a line that somebody drew on a map that now I'm in a different kingdom. That's not what it's like. I'll tell you what the kingdom's like, Jesus says. Indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. You know what he means? The kingdom, the territory that Jesus wants to rule over, it's got nothing to do with geography. It's got everything to do with your heart. Jesus wants control of your heart and your mind. And when he controls our hearts and our minds, when our thoughts are brought into captivity to Christ, when we let his mind be our mind, Philippians 2 verse 5, we become the territory. That's the territory Jesus wants to conquer. That's what he wants to control. He's got no interest in land. He's got no interest in possessions and those kinds of things. He's got every interest in you and in your life. And what he's inviting you to do to be part of his kingdom is to give your mind and your heart completely to him. The kingdom of God is within you. You're not going to see it with your eyes. I crossed out of this state and I crossed into that state. I crossed out of this nation and into this nation. But you know it because we give our hearts and we give our lives to Jesus. It doesn't come with observation the way other nations do business. It's not about geographical territory. It's about our hearts and our minds. And so the question is, all right, well, who can enter the kingdom? Jesus talked about this a lot, by the way. Who can enter the kingdom? In other words, if I'm standing in, hypothetically, the country of Mexico, and I want to walk into the United States of America, who can do this? Who is this possible for? Well, you've got to listen to the laws of the United States and who's, who's going to do this in the right way. You've got to listen to the laws of the nation of Mexico. And what do they say about this, about crossing from one kingdom to the other? Jesus talked about this and got coming into God's kingdom. Who can enter the kingdom? How do I get into the kingdom that Jesus has come to establish? Number one, Jesus says it's about righteousness. Matthew 5, verse 20, unless your righteousness, it's about doing the right thing, doing the right thing from the heart, unless your righteousness, doing the right thing from the heart exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So being a part of Christ's kingdom means that I want to do the right thing and I want to do the right thing for the right reasons out of the right motives. How, do one, how does one enter the kingdom? He says, those who enter the kingdom are those who become converted, become as little children. And what Jesus meant by that is that the little children are innocent, they are pure, they are humble. They're always asking questions because little children know that they don't know all the answers. And Jesus says, unless you become like that, unless you have that kind of attitude, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. If you think you know it all, if you've already got all the answers in your head and you already know how things ought to work out, you already know how God ought to do business, then there's no way you can be part of this kingdom because Jesus is going to say things that are different than your presuppositions. He's going to say things that challenge you to the core. He's going to say things that are costly for you. You're going to have to live a life of sacrifice. You're going to have to live a life that involves some suffering for his sake. Unless you're converted and become like little children, there's no way you can do this. What does Jesus say about entering the kingdom? He says, not everyone who even says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Just because somebody says Jesus is my Lord does not mean that they are yet in the kingdom. 
You know what he went on to say in Matthew 7, 21? It is those who do the will of my Father in heaven. They're the ones who enter the kingdom of heaven. What did Jesus say about the kingdom? He said, who can enter? Only those who are born of water and the Spirit can enter the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 5. He's talking about baptism. He's saying that when somebody is baptized, when they participate in the new birth, that they are being added to the kingdom of God. You're becoming a citizen, a citizen where everybody loves the king, a situation where Jesus is the rule and the authority, where he's the one that's calling the shots. He's the one that's making the decisions. He's the one that we are allied to. He's the one that we serve. When you're baptized, that's what you're saying. My whole life is going to be different from now on because I am walking out of darkness and I am entering into the kingdom of God's Son. Colossians 1.13. Brothers and sisters and friends, when we talk about the growth of the kingdom, it has nothing to do with geography at all. When we talk about the kingdom growing, the kingdom grows when people surrender their lives to Jesus. It's unique. It's different. It's not the kind of kingdom you'd find anywhere else on this planet. It's not the kind of kingdom that has ever existed in history. When our lives and our hearts and our thoughts and our minds are all given to Jesus Christ perpetually in our lives, when that's how we live, that's how the kingdom increases. And what we're interested in as a body is that the rule of Jesus in people's hearts and lives, the rule of Jesus in their minds that people would surrender their lives to him. That's what we're interested in. It's got nothing to do about geography and where people live and to what nation they belong. It's got nothing to do with any of that. The kingdom's about what's going on in here. It's about what's going on in here. And it's about what my life looks like as a result of those things. Second Corinthians 10 verses four and five, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, Paul says. We don't have swords and spears and guns to try to make our will done, make God's will known. That's not what we do. Rather, what we're trying to do is win people's minds to, to Jesus. That's how the kingdom grows. What did Jesus say about the kingdom? He said, I want you to be part of my kingdom. Where I'm the king, where the gospel is the law, where you and everybody else who is of like precious faith can be a citizen, where I will reign in your heart and your mind and you become the territory that carries the kingdom into all the world. That's the kind of kingdom that God wants you to be a part of. If you're here this morning and you're ready to make that decision, or maybe you need to respond and ask for prayers, won't you come while together we stand and while we sing.